CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is gonna go the distance. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. It is fantasy football today, and it is Thursday, and it's June, June 1st. Welcome to the show. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard. Heath Cummings unavailable today. Jamie Eisenberg unavailable today. We scraped the the now we didn't scrape the bottom, the middle of the barrel for Oh Dan. my god. <laughs> what an for intro. Dan Schneier. Dan Schneier is here at Dan Schneier NFL. What's so, up, dude? Uh, I was now I'm like, man, the bottom of the bag, at least you corrected the middle. yourself in the middle of that. Listen, those who the, the real, the real meatheads of the show. And we're talking about meatheads before the show. Dave's getting back in the gym, lifting hard today. We debated if Adam's ever lifted a weight in his life. We're still not sure, but the real meatheads of FFT know that beyond the box score, there's some things. This is not the bottom of the barrel. Okay. This is the middle of the barrel. I like how you corrected yourself. Adam, yeah. if, if he's the middle of the barrel, Dare I ask who the bottom of the barrel is? No, we, yeah, we really. don't go to the you bottom of the barrel. bad for that one, Adam. We only go to the middle of the barrel on this show. Okay. There's no bottom of the barrel on fantasy football today. So uh, none of us are the top of the barrel. Oh, I didn't say that. I just said that, you know, we only go... The, the, none of us are the top of the barrel. That is, we are all in the middle of the barrel. Anyway, okay. this, is, this is a pretty small barrel. We better call Basco Incorporated and find some bigger barrels. Today we're talking about bus-proof players. Dan and Dave each have three players. They're going to make the case that they are bus-proof, and the other person's going to have to make the case against that, make the bust argument for those players. And some of these guys are, are very high-end. Most Actually, most of them are very high-end, and that should be the case, right? If you're talking about bus-proof players here, we're talking mostly first and second round picks. Um, but Travis Kelsey, is he bus-proof? At eight? He'll be age 34 at one point. Saquon Barkley, is he bus-proof? Jalen Hurts, is he bus-proof? These are some of the players that we're going to talk about. In fact, let's start with one right now. Dave, why don't you start? Give me one of the three bust-proof bust players that you would like to talk about. Let's start with Jalen Hurts because I think that he's... I, I think that people have come around on him being a top three quarterback. There are some who believe that he is the number one quarterback in fantasy. And I can't say that that's a wrong opinion at all. We know what he's capable of doing with his arm. We know what he's capable of doing with his feet. We know that he's got an amazing receiving core, great offensive line. Here are some things that might be a little bit different for him in 2023. Number one, as of now, 
I think the Eagles defense is still going to be very, very good. One of the top three DSTs in the league. In fact, they are my number one DST, but they're going to be younger than they were last year. And I can't help but think that maybe they bend just a little bit more than 2022 Philadelphia defense did. If that's the case, we're looking at more competitive games for Jalen Hurts, which means he's not going to be handing off in the fourth quarter. He's he's not going to be taking a passive approach. He will be in the thick of it, and he will be putting up some fantasy points that way. The other thing that's different in 2023 is that Miles Sanders is gone, and Sanders, for whatever it's worth, did score double-digit touchdowns last year. If he's gone, are we counting on DeAndre Swift or Rashad Penny or Kenneth Gainwell? And maybe even as, as, a, as a trio's tag team to replace those touchdowns, I'm not sure that they will. So we might see even more touchdowns from Jalen Hurts in 2023 on the ground. And we already know that he's doing a lot through there. In fact, he averaged 17.9 fantasy points per game on his passing alone last year. So even if he doesn't run for more touchdowns and he doesn't run as much as before, okay, he's not hitting that 30-point ceiling that we'd love to see him get. And some weeks that 30-point ceiling is more like a 40-point ceiling. Okay, fine. He still should be in the range of 24, 25 fantasy points per week. You're expecting more than that, but I don't think that means that he's a bust if that's what he's averaging this year. Bottom line is this, short of him getting hurt, I don't see him regressing as a passer. I think he does more from week to week, and he th- and I think he takes on even more of a role in the run game given the changes to the running backs in Philadelphia. Bust-proof quarterback, the most bust-proof quarterback. That might be why he's QB1 in fantasy football this year. Okay, Dan, you have to make the argument that he is yeah. actually not bust-proof, that Jalen Hurts is not bust-proof. Also, I think... More interesting is what Dave said at the very end there, that he's the most bust-proof. So I think when you compare to Allen and Mahomes, I'm interested to see why Dave went that route. But what do you have to say, Dan? Listen, this is probably the hardest anti-case to make on the show, I think, of all the six players that Dave and I picked for today, personally. So it's going to be tough to do the devil's advocate here. I'm going to try to do the devil's advocate because I really don't feel, at this point, with what I saw from my film valuation of Hertz, I don't feel like there's much room for regression. He improved so much as an anticipatory thrower last year that, and using outside the numbers throws, where what I mean by that is the two numbers on the football field, throwing the ball outside of those, not inside, the harder throws to make. Right. That it's really tough for me to make this case. The only case I might make is hit this one. One, Jalen Hurts lost his play caller from last year and his offensive coordinator, or sorry, not his play caller, but his offensive coordinator from last year. Maybe that is something that can play a role in a little bit of regression there. Maybe, maybe not. I'll also make the case that he does have A.J. Brown on his roster as his wide receiver one, someone who's dealt with bad knee knee injuries in the past that have debilitated him. Dallas Goddard's missed time with injuries. There's some injury profile in that receiver course. Of course, now they have some the backup options, and they also have Devontae Smith, so it's not like he would lose all of his weapons even if one or two went down. So in finding the case against Jalen Hurts, it's really difficult with his rushing floor. I'm kind of struggling in the moment here. I debated this before the show, like what case could I make? The only case I really have is him regressing as a passer by losing his offensive coordinator and there is still some time to watch him and you're like okay is this really one of the elite passers in the game but there are other times you watch him and you're like yeah this guy's making anticipatory throws which probably only a handful or fewer of quarterbacks are even making in the nfl on a consistent basis so I don't know. This is not a good case, Adam. I apologize, fine. but fine. I can't do it because I love Jalen Hurts. And I think Dave, the real case is, can you take Jalen Hurts over Mahomes as the QB? Like, can, is there a case to be made as him as QB one? I think is the opposite side of this. So yeah, just proves that he's bust proof. 
Why is he the most bust-proof quarterback, Dave, ahead of less bust or less bust potential, more bust-proof than Mahomes and Allen? I, I like, I think I like, and I don't think, I know I like his receiving core better than what Mahomes and, and Josh Allen are dealing with. And Mo, listen, I'm, I can't split hairs too much here between Mahomes and Allen. And maybe the lesson is is to just simply just target whoever's third. And you don't have to be the first guy to take a quarterback in your draft or in your auction, but that third guy, whoever it is, this is the elite tier of quarterbacks. Go after the third guy, the third man. Don't think you can do that, Dave. Mahomes and Allen. You know Why not? What? Because they all go in the same round. It, well, it's it's obviously easier in an auction than it is yeah, that's, in, in a regular draft. Sure. But if you're where would you have to be picking where you can feel comfortable getting the third guy? Probably with a top five pick. If you're picking fifth overall, you will probably have a pick of at least one of them by right. the time you're up in one, two. And that's in a home league. And in, in an analyst league, you might have a shot at all three of them being there. Right. And listen, Jalen Hurts, number three in fantasy points per game last year. I think he can take a statistical jump based on how he throws the ball and the uptick in running and the more production. He was only one point. Two, four, three fantasy points per game less than Patrick Mahomes at number one. Yeah, so he could catch Mahomes. We know that Mahomes doesn't have Juju. They replaced him with a rookie. What if the wide receivers in Kansas City, not the tight end, the wide receivers just don't hold up their end of the bargain? Sky Moore doesn't progress. Uh, Kadarius Tony underwhelms, et cetera, et cetera. I think that that's something that could hurt Mahomes and keep him from throwing for 5,000 yards. And Jalen Hurts ends up catching him because of what he does on the ground and through the air. Yep. And you know what? Hurts was really close because he scored eight and a half fantasy points in week 18. And he was not healthy, not even close in week 18. So Mm -hmm. remember, he came back because they needed to win that game. They lost their previous two games. They needed to win that game to lock up the one seed. That was only the second game all year in which Hertz scored fewer than 20 fantasy points and six point per passing touchdown league. So it's a total outlier. Um, he was super close to Patrick Mahomes and he was actually better than Josh Allen before his shoulder injury. Uh, bus case I would make against Hertz is did lose his offensive coordinator. As Dan said, has a 35 year old center and Jason Kelsey has a 33 year old right. right tackle in Lane Johnson lost one of the starting guards and Isaac Sayamalu to the Steelers. So it's kind of a, a team that was so damn good last year. They are a little bit old up front on both sides of the ball. Maybe that could go wrong, but hard to and argue. One thing I didn't mention that is There's worth a- noting is the schedule is complete. It's like flipped for the NFC East teams, Eagles included. Totally. Last year, they, the, the Eagles and the NFC East had the AFC South, which is easiest division probably for fantasy. Now that's going to be the AFC East. You got the Bills defense, the Jets defense, Patriots defense, nothing to scoff at. Dolphins defense with Vic Fangio coming in to right the ship there. And the West in the NFC. So you're dealing with better defenses there as well. So I do feel like it's a little bit of a different situation there, at least from a schedule standpoint. You're right. Actually, Jalen Hurts uh, scored 30 plus fantasy points against the Giants, against Washington. So he'll face them again, one each. Um, but he also did that against Minnesota, Chicago, Tennessee, right. three of the easiest matchups last year, plus Green Bay and Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, when they didn't have T.J. Watt, they were awful. I think that's when he played them. Um, okay, let's. Uh, Are you interested in knowing what the PSOS score is for Philadelphia this year? Yes, it's twenty six. It's it's low. Remember, what, the higher the number, the this? worse it is. Strength what of am? schedule. Projected strength of schedule. So okay. this is a different metric 
than the strength of schedule that you'll find in your outdated newspaper or on a basic website. This is something that takes into effect uh, a grading of every defense based on their personnel, their scheme, and their coaching, uh, and their quality depth, um, all put into one easy ranking, basically. And while we're at it, Dave, tell, tell the listeners where they can find this in depth. The, the initial place where you'll find the projected strength of schedule story is going to be in our magazine, our Fantasy Football Preview magazine. Yes, that's right. After I just made fun of print publication, I'm now <laughs> going to promote our print publication, the Fantasy Football Today Preview magazine. There's only one. It's going to be on newsstands everywhere. It's going to be dropped off at your house if you uh, – I think if we're, if we're selling on Amazon again, I don't know these things. I'm, I'm half making it up. But we will have – we will have updated versions and a link to the updated versions that you can just simply type into your browser once you find it in the magazine. And so if things change, you know, if, if you know, one of the division rivals basically for the Eagles loses a player to, you know, an injury before the season starts, that'll affect that ranking and it'll make it easier on Jalen Hurts. All right, let's, as, uh, let's move behind, on, please. Just going to give one teaser real quick. Adam, Adam, I can't get to a new team. player yet. We're 12 minutes in. We'll talk about okay, Jalen Hurts. Go to the new player. No all right. teasers. No uh, teasers. Uh, all right, listen, let's uh, let's get to Dan's Trying guys. to sell things here, Adam. Uh, we sold it. All right, who do you hey, want? I got one more thing. No, who do you want to talk about, Dan? <laughs> give me a uh, bus proof Hold player. on, hold on. The Eagles projected strength of schedule last year. This is last year's magazine was two second. So they had the second easiest projected schedule and it showed in the numbers. All right. Dan, bus-proof player, number one for you. Yeah, I'm going to start off with Joe Burrow, quarterback Bengals. So for me with Burrow, it's really just comes down to a few things. I'll start with the number one thing from a schematic standpoint. He's gone through that period we saw briefly with Mahomes and then briefly, I thought, with Burrow, where defenses are playing two high shells against him, basically just saying, we're trying to take everything away from you big play-wise, see what you can do to beat us. And he beat that, and he's now mastered that style of defense. And once that happens and the coordinators can no longer just run two high safeties, take away the big plays, there's not really many avenues to beat these quarterbacks. We've seen it with Mahomes, and now we've seen it with Joe Burrow. The connection with Burrow and Jamar Chase is just too good at this point. They threw a 1,000 balls together before their final season at LSU and thousands of more since. They know exactly where they're going to be, and they can beat any defense right now. And you add to that the mastery, you add to the mastery just from a, uh, you know, a processing standpoint with Burrow to what the Bengals have done to build around him. And there's just things I like. So first of all, coming, in, coming into this season, they add Orlando Brown Jr., who I think will shore up their left tackle position. And that's been a big problem for them. Jonah Williams was not the player they hoped he would be when they drafted him in the first round of Alabama. For now, he's penciled in at right tackle, but eventually Lyle Collins will come back and play that position. They'll have two bookend tackles. They also have some depth now on the, uh, on the interior offensive line although they also have really good starters there as well. So I really like what's going on in the offensive line, what they added there. At receiver, I also like what they've added as well. Two players in this draft I love. Charlie Jones, I talked about him out of Purdue a lot. He's a perfect fit for that Bengals system. He's going to be at some point what Tyler Boyd gave them, and he, for now, provides insurance for them if Boyd goes down. As well as Andre, I never know how to pronounce this guy's name, the Princeton kid, who, when you watch him, Andre Iosevis, I think is how you pronounce the name. And when you watch him, you get little shades. It's not him but you get little shades of Christian Watson, just a little bit, that same type of profile, long athlete with breakaway speed. Now he's breaking away against defenses that Princeton's facing. So it's, you got to keep that in context, but an interesting athlete to add to the mix there. In addition, obviously bringing back Boyd Higgins and Jamar Chase, you look at the numbers, thanks to Adam on this one, but in the games where both Chase and Higgins played, Burrow was as good on a points per game basis, nearly as good as Mahomes and Josh Allen last season. 
you can hopefully assume that you're going to get a little bit better luck on the injury front with Higgins. It's possible. I don't know. Chase also obviously missed some time last year. If both play this year, that's a different scenario there. And I even like the addition of Irv Smith as well to the mix here. I think Irv Smith, obviously, very talented player, didn't work out in Minnesota, a lot of injuries there. But we've seen at times so many easy layup options for the tight end in this offense when no one else is accounting for the tight end because of all the other weapons. So I just look around, and I love the offensive line and the depth there. I love the receivers and the depth there. And I just love what Burrow showed last season as far as beating defenses that are just going to play too high shells. I don't know how you beat Burrow at this point. So I don't see any real room for him to regress. Dave, who'd you like to make the bus case again? The bus case for Joe Burrow here. Well, first of all, it's Yoshivas. Yoshivas. I know it looks like Io Sivas, but it's Yoshivas for for. And you know what? I knew that, and I screwed it up anyway. It, it's okay. <laughs> it's what I'm here for. Now everybody will know how to say the name of a guy who's not going to make any plays for the he Cincinnati might. Bengals this year. Right. <laughs> okay. That wasn't, that wasn't so the best I, part I think- of your argument. <laughs> I, that's it. I'm done. No Yoshivas. <laughs> Burrow's going to stink. Okay. First of all, I know that we're... I, we're implying that obviously a player getting hurt is is not going to be something that we can argue for why a player is not bust proof. Right. So I'm not going to say that Burrow could tear, tear his ACL again, but I do want to mention that there were one, two, three, four games. Here we go, Adam. We're going to talk about the same thing we talked about earlier this week. There were four games last year where Jamar Chase did not play. In those four games, Burrow was over 21 point. He he didn't he had more than 22 fantasy points. Six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues one time in those four games. There were three other games, Adam, where T. Higgins either barely played. uh, That's what it is. He played one snap in the other game. In those three games, 22.2, 19.3, and 20.6. This just means that Burrow is mortal. It it means that he cannot put the team on his back, Mahomes-style, Jalen Hurts-style, maybe some of the other quarterbacks who can run, and just put a bunch of fantasy points on the board anyway. He needs his star receivers, and he needs both of them. If he loses one of them, he can still be good. But if he's going to average around 21 fantasy points per game, uh, I, I don't know if I want that as my – I don't know if I'll feel good about that if I'm drafting him as my QB4. Now, we don't know that that's going to happen. That's kind of in the same vein as saying, well, this guy could get hurt, and then he's a bust. Um, but, but short of that – I don't know if there's a case to make against Burrow. He's a phenomenal thrower. Defenses are going to have a real hard time with him if they keep doing what they've been doing uh, defensively. And, and they've adapted to first. He couldn't, he was struggling against cover two. They found a way to beat that. Then teams went to cover one, cover three. He beats that too. I don't know what defenses are going to do when this offense is healthy and with better protection. I, I think Burrow is a, is a very safe fantasy quarterback who's worthy of being the fourth QB off the board. Well, he's actually, what I'm looking at right now, Fantasy Pro's PPR average draft position. I don't know if these are 4-point or 6-point ADPs. Probably a mixture of both. Joe Burrow is actually QB6 behind the big three and Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, which makes me think that it's more 4-point per passing touchdown leagues. Um, But I think you could take him him as QB4 even in a 4-point passing touchdown league because I think he's much more bust-proof on the topic of this show than Lamar Jackson or Justin right. Fields. He may not have the same upside, but it's it's not that far. I mean, he's going to throw for a lot more yards and a lot more touchdowns. Dave's right. right. You know, the, you've got to have the two receivers healthy. But he, in terms of bust-proof, I mean, you can't even compare Burrow to Jackson and Fields. He's much, much safer than those guys. 
Um, at least in my opinion. If you guys disagree, chime in. If not, we will take a break. Uh, first, I want to tell you about the CBS Sports app. Man, we got a lot of great sporting events coming up. NBA Finals tonight. Anybody think the Heat are going to win the NBA Finals? I no. sure hope not. <laughs> Just because I have a lot riding on the Nuggets. Oh, okay. Um, and yes, I saw a funny meme that said, Heat Nuggets, NBA Finals, and Dinner Instructions. But anyway, we got the Stanley Cup Finals. That's an easier joke. Start, yeah, starting in... Um, on Saturday, so got baseball going on. Keep up with all of it on the CBS Sports app. The app is terrific. Uh, lightning fast, live scoring for all major sports. Got a bunch of soccer on there as well. And it's the way I get my breaking news alerts. I can watch live sports on the CBS Sports app. Stay on top of all the latest updates. It's totally free on iPhone, on Android. And it is the easiest way to keep your finger on the pulse of every game that matters. Download the CBS Sports app. Stick around. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Not a ton of news and notes here, but let's go through them. Tom Brady says he's definitely not playing again. So he's certain that he's not playing again. So, hmm. Okay. And, like it's from like I'll a take his word for it for now. definitely not doing this. And then he ends up doing it. I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. It, it, I feel like the Dolphins have to get something out of this, right? Like they negotiate behind doors. They lose their first round pick and nothing. Like, I don't know. I'm 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 not turning I'm not closing the book yet on Brady going to the Dolphins. A Green Bay rookie tight end Luke Musgrave is getting first team reps in OTAs. My guy. So is Jaden Reed. Mike K of the Charlotte Observer thinks that Terrace Marshall is on oh. the cusp of a breakout campaign. It was sort of a throw-in line in the story, but I will say this that among all wide receivers who ran 150 or more routes last year. Terrace Marshall had by far the best explosive play rate in among all those wide receivers. It was like 34%. And that is, those are plays that went for 16 or more yards. Now, if you look at the leaderboard there, it's almost all guys who didn't have a lot of targets, including Terrace Marshall. It's Rashid Shahid, uh, mm. uh, Marquise Goodwin, 
guys like that. But Terrace Marshall, he played three games last year in which he had more than six or more tar- six or more targets. He came through with double-digit PPR fantasy points in all three games. Uh, but I'm he's, guessing, Dave, he's not the first Panthers wide receiver you're drafting, right? Not yet. He could get he could get to that point though. These headlines are, are going to be things that make me want to keep an eye on on what's going on with Carolina. I, I like Bryce Young as a thrower, so I'm not so worried about him melting down as a rookie. He needs some good targets. If he's the best player that they have, they'll use him. I was fond of his game coming out of LSU. Do you know what his fantasy pros ADP is, Adam Azer? Oh, it's probably in the 200s. 237.5. Yeah. You're getting him for free on draft day. Uh, might be a good reason to pop open a best ball draft in the next week or so. All right, Terrace Marshall. Next news item, Ron Rivera said Antonio Gibson has shown his pass-catching abilities in OTAs. Oh, as opposed to never before? <laughs> Rivera, you knucklehead. Yeah. Uh, well, look, that's been a part of their offense. but It's usually been McKissick, but could that just be Gibson? Now, could it be Brian Robinson is on running downs and Gibson is a— That's what it was last year, and, no, and it when was, that it was, was the case— it, it was, was. It was a split, though. It was It was more, I mean, I think Gibson had more running work, you know. Okay, that's right. Could he just be McKissick? Could he just really be McKissick? He could be McKissick plus, because McKissick almost never worked on rushing downs unless other players were hurt. But he averaged 10 PPR points per game in the games with Brian Robinson on the field. And so now there's a chance maybe he does a little bit more than that. Uh, this could be one of the side effects of Eric Bieniemy taking over the offense. This is something Brian Robinson shouldn't be expected to do more of is catch passes. This is an this is an Antonio Gibson deal. And as long as he holds on to the football, there's no reason to think he can't be a guy that gets double digit PPR points per week. I think yeah. the the you know devil's advocate case to that is Sam Howell is probably not the best quarterback to be maximizing passing game for a running back. I think he's gonna run a good amount in spots. He he ran a lot at UNC his final season. So I'm just a little concerned with that. I also don't personally think going from Scott Turner to enemy is good for passing game running backs because so much of Scott Turner's offense funneled through the running backs in the passing game. And I don't know if I see that for sure with enemy coming over. There was some involvement, obviously, with McKinnon, but some of that was just not design stuff. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I don't love the combination of Howell there with enemy for the passing game running backs. Okay, I'm going to give you three formats. Tell me who's the first commander's running back you're drafting in non-PPR. Robinson. Yep, Robinson for sure. For me. Half PPR. Still Robinson. Still Robinson. 10-point PPR. <laughs> Full one-point PPR. I think I'm still Robinson across the board. I just don't have that much faith in Gibson at this point. Yeah, I, okay. but the keywords there are not at this point. Yeah. There, certainly there's going to be a, a chance where they just fall in love all over again with Antonio yeah. Gibson, and and then you you could potentially make the case to move him ahead of of Brian Robinson. And I have a pop culture hot take really for Dan. Oh God. I can't. I, the last of us is super boring and I have just no, no interest in finishing it. How I'm, many episodes have you seen? I'm on episode five. That's just, decently deep and you still don't like it. Wow. Doing it for me. I, it's, I have a pet peeve in, in, okay. in, in TV and movies. I don't like main characters who have one emotion the entire show. And it's starting to get on me. And I love that Pedro actor. Pascal in this? I love him. He's a terrific okay. actor. But I'm not loving the character. It's just a little bit too dry. A little bit. Like, it's just, he's not realistic to me. Um, even though I know, obviously, his backstory. But 
the show, I cannot get myself to watch it. I, like, I watched one episode of Mayor of Kingstown. That show gripped me like 10 times more than The Last of Us. I, I need If I'm going to watch a show, it's going to be that. So that's my pop culture hot take. The Last of Us, don't think I'm going to finish it. Don't really want to. I, one day I'll find a show that I'll you know suggest to you and you'll love. And I'm, I'm waiting for that day. I did love something I saw on Twitter, though. So we'll, we'll dig briefly. We're going too much on this. But the other uh, maybe yesterday or the day before I saw Adam comment to want to see his post, you know, see us running the uh, the the bracket for all the best TV shows. And Adam's like, you know what? I did try Frasier. And I got to be honest, it's not that good and should have been seated low. I didn't I say it's not I, that good. I said it shouldn't have been a one I added seed. the not that good part, but he it's did fine. say it should have been seated lower. It's fine. It's fine. I'm only on season two. I'm At hoping by like fine. season five, it's it gets great. Fine. But all right, let's uh, let's talk more about our bus proof players here. You heard about Jalen Hurts from Dave, Joe Burrow from Dan. So let's get some non quarterbacks here. And how about a couple of running backs who are going in the first round? Dave, you say Austin Eckler is bus proof. Also, don't sit there and say, oh, well, first round running back. Of course, they're bus proof. That's definitely not the case. <laughs> Plenty of first round running backs have been busts year after year, including the number one overall player last year, Jonathan Taylor. Um, but Austin yep. Eckler, at 28 years old, you're going to say he is bus-proof. I am. And and the caveat is that I would have told you last year, and I might have told you last year, that Jonathan Taylor is completely bus-proof. And he ended up being a bus last year. Injury played a huge role. He suffered a high ankle sprain early in the season. And we've said this before. The high ankle sprain is, is a death knell on a fantasy player's production. And it's hard to bounce back from that, at least within the next couple of weeks. Let's move to Eckler. I think he's the least or the most bust proof among running backs. I think that he's the most likely to continue churning out huge production. What is that huge production? Over 20 PPR fantasy points per game each of the last two years. Name me a running back that has averaged over 20 PPR points per game over the last two years. Don't even try. You can't do it. There isn't one. The closest one is actually Derrick Henry, who was at 19.1 last year in your face for everybody that's like, you need a ton of targets to do it. Derrick Henry says no way. But Eckler did it, and it's because he had a ton of targets. Absolutely nothing has been added to the Chargers running back room this offseason. We were worried about that. And that means they're going to try and put Joshua Kelly in the secondary role. Maybe Isaiah Spiller gets another chance. But I'd be surprised if either of those guys – takes away more work than any running back has over the last three seasons from Austin Eckler. And I just love that Kellen Moore is the play caller now. They, they've got a guy who's going to be aggressive and probably throw – I was going to make the case that he's going to throw even more. That's probably not going to happen. He's going to throw a little bit less um, or a call pass plays a little bit less. And even with Quentin Johnson being there, I don't think Johnson takes away from Eckler. And he's still going to have all the major high-value roles that we want in a, in a fantasy running back and the chair on top. Yeah. He's 28. This guy gets out of bounds a lot. This guy goes down on the, on the first tackle sometimes when he knows he can't get at any extra yards. He's smart with his body. Hasn't gotten hurt in each of the last two years. In fact, three of the last four years, he hasn't missed a game. The guy's bionic. Can't put him on the same level as Derrick Henry in that regard, but he's close to it and he's catching more passes. He is the most bust proof running back that you can get in fantasy this year. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dan. You guys just strong jump case. right in after that. Go ahead. Strong case, strong case. But I think if I'm going to focus on a devil's advocate, and I also am a fan of Eckler this season from a value standpoint, if I'm going to focus on the devil's advocate side of this and the things that could kind of slow him down, the first one I'm going to touch on is just not 
it's just the pure idea of touchdown regression here, right? Because Eckler obviously had a lot of touchdowns last season, a little more than his typical norm there. And honestly, high compared to the rest of the NFL at that position. Now, this season, they add Quinton Johnson to the mix, a first-round wide receiver. And is it possible that with a change in offensive coordinator with Kellen Moore, we could see a different style of offense in the red zone? Or not even a different style, but just a different funneling of the targets and the touches in the red zone. And that could potentially take away from some Veckler's touchdowns, which led to a lot of points, especially now the add Quinton Johnson to the mix, who can potentially be a red zone threat. I'm still, you know, remain to be seen on that. I don't, he's a big player, but he doesn't really play like a big receiver, but I still think, you know, on the crossers and on the mesh type concepts, he's going to be a big body. You can get open underneath. So we'll see what happens there. I would also say that, the addition of Quinton Johnston and Kellen Moore to the mix could change the overall target volume. That's the second thing would, that would be my concern there for Austin Eckler. I think Adam did a good job breaking this down in the notes, but he averaged a career low in yards per catch last season, Austin Eckler, and in dot. Those are two receiving stats that have been related, according to Adam. And I think that's something interesting to note, especially when you look at... For him. I'm sorry? Related for, for, for him. For, for Austin He's Eckler. had super sorry. low yep. dots, like negative dots. Basically, um, he's had low yards per catch. When they're throwing to him across the line of scrimmage, then it's, you know, it's fine. But yeah, I have more to say about this, but go ahead. I do apologize for trying to mansplain an Azer stat. You should never, no one should ever do that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, anyway, that's that uh, included, as well as Kellen Moore just in general is not really an offensive corner that's called a very pass heavy to the running backs type game scripts. He's been 24th and 23rd in RB targets twice as an offensive coordinator with Dallas and with the added weapon in Quinton Johnston. I think there's a chance this offense goes a little bit differently in 2023. Takes that next step. If ju- if we're all expecting Justin Herbert to take the step that we are expecting in this passing game to be more intermediate based and more downfield based and vertical oriented, then if that all happens, I think there's going to be fewer targets for Austin Eckler. I think that's where it, the touchdown regression, it is what it is, but the, the passing game involvement, he had 127 targets last year. That just doesn't seem to me like that's going to repeat uh, this season. No, and you left out a couple of something about Kellen Moore, though, is that, yes, he, he was four seasons as Cowboys coordinator. And in two of those seasons, the Cowboys were 23rd and 24th in RB targets. The other two seasons, they were 13th and they were ninth. I thought that's how you do the Azer stat. No. You pick and choose and you cherry pick and you and you find the ones that fit your night. Absolutely no? not. That's not. Those are Schneier stats. <laughs> uh, but in terms of the targets, 127 targets in 17 games last year. 2021, when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were actually healthy, he was on pace for 100 targets in 17 games. And in the five games in 2022 that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were healthy, Eckler was on pace for 78 targets. So I do think he definitely benefited from those injuries. So if I were going to make a case against Eckler, it would be that he will see fewer targets. I do believe he will see fewer targets. 127 is crazy. Uh, As long as two of the three wide receivers, if we include Quentin Johnston, stay healthy, he'll see fewer targets. And the touchdowns, I mean, it's actually been two years in a row. He scored 20 total touchdowns in 2021. He scored 20. He scored 18 in 2022. Honestly, Dave, that's the only thing. If somehow he loses his goal line role, then I guess he, you know, but I just, I do not see that happening at all. So he'll have fewer catch. He's just so involved though. I mean, he'll be fine. He's, he's pretty bust proof in full PPR In non and half PPR. I think it's different though, Dave. I don't know. I agree. And in, in non and half PPR, is he even a top five pick in non PPR? I would say no. Like, I think that's where you could pivot to Derrick Henry. Because it's hard to imagine him having the type of touchdown production a third year in a row 
uh, north of 15. I, I think if you expect him to have around 14 touchdowns, let's just call it that total, I think he can get you there. Uh, but he could exceed it. What's really slowing him down from doing it? I don't really know if there is one other than the receiving core, maybe staying healthy, Quinn Johnson playing a bigger role. The only reason why I don't have Eckler, this, this is funny, as the number one guy is because I was reminded last year, I went on a, I went on a video show last year and told them that I was I liked Taylor as my number one guy. And they said, you can't do that. He was the number one running back last year. Guys never, ever repeat. Hmm. And Eckler was the number one fantasy running back on a PPR per game basis last year. So just on that stat alone, I put McCaffrey ahead of him. But if you don't believe in that stat or if you think that Eckler is good enough to do it, then Eckler should be your number one running back in your rankings. When was the last time it happened? Was it Ladinian Tomlinson? No, yeah, we, we did this. It's uh, Gurley. It was Todd Gurley. It was Gurley. Okay, yep. The back-to-back Gurley years, I knew remember. In the mid-2014. And a forgotten superstar uh, for yeah. fantasy football, Todd Gurley. Okay, uh, we got three more names here, and we'll let's speed it up a little bit. Okay. Saquon Barkley, another first-round running back. Dan, you are making a bust-proof case for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, quick case here. There's not as much of a ceiling, I don't think, with Eckler, but I think there's as much of a floor, and that's what we're doing here. We're doing bust-proof players here, and it just comes down for Barkley to the involvement in the offense. They asked Darius Slayton at OTAs yesterday. They said to him, are you worried about getting stats and targets now the Giants have added all these weapons? He's like, no, because I don't really care about this stuff, and this offense still runs through Saquon Barkley, and that's the truth of it. This offense does run through Saquon Barkley. His involvement, not only from a total snap standpoint, which is kind of not unmatched, but really only matched by a handful or fewer of running backs in the NFL right now is one thing, but it's also the passing game involvement, which once again is only really matched by a handful of few or fewer of running backs led the giants in targets last year. I expect him to lead the giants in targets again this year. That might seem odd considering they added Darren Waller and Jalen Hyatt. But if you look at how this offense operates, they've tried to simplify things for Daniel Jones and make things really, really easy because that's a smart way to add efficiency to any quarterback in the NFL. So if he doesn't like his first read in the passing game, he has two options. He either takes the B gap and runs if it's there, or he hits the flare route to Saquon Barkley, which is always there. And then worst case scenario, you get Saquon Barkley one-on-one in space. I don't see why he's going to go away from that this year. It was a, you know, a source of very easy yards last year, a source of big plays at times when Saquon Barkley made someone miss. So I still think he's going to be a big part of the progression in the passing game with those flare routes. And that doesn't even go into the potential for him to kind of work more in the passing game. We saw some flashes in the screen game last year. We also saw some flashes when they lined him up outside in the slot. And I think that's something they're going to try to build on as well with the second year in the system for Barkley. Obviously, all this is contingent on him signing with the Giants and playing under the franchise tag. I think he'll get a multi-year deal or play under the tag. I don't think he's sitting out this season. I just don't really foresee any of that happening. So the involvement here is matched by very few running backs at this point. Like if you look at Eckler's obviously in the mix, but so few running backs are getting that percentage of snaps and that kind of involvement in the passing game. Obviously, you look at some of the negatives here. His explosives went down a little bit. Adam brought it up. He had yeah. five carries of 29 yards in his first five games, then went through that lull and then really didn't have another long carry until until the playoff game. But I, I don't know if he's that same kind of explosive player that has RB1 or RB2 potential anymore. But we're talking about bust-proof players. And when you have that kind of volume and involvement in the passing game and in the red zone where, you know, there is some thoughts like, oh, maybe they brought in Waller, Hyatt. They can throw more in the red zone. I don't know if that's the case. They did so, so much of their success in the red zone was via Saquon Barkley running the football. And I think that's a big part of his game. He's a really tough runner in the red zone. He's a powerful back. He gets behind his pads in the red zone. He's 230 pounds and he can kind of force his way through or leap over the defender. So I still think he's going to have double digit touchdowns with a big involvement in the passing game and a lot of snaps overall. That to me is a bust proof type player. 
So Dan already mentioned the first thing, the explosives went down for him in his, in his comeback season from 2021, where he really didn't look great. So obviously better than his 2021 season, but not as good as when he was a rookie or even a second year player. He had 352 touches last year. What happened the last time he had over 300 touches? He came back in his second season and he was still really good for fantasy on 269 touches in 13 games, over 1400 total yards, eight touchdowns, one fumble, still a must start type of fantasy running back. I am a little bit worried about what happens this year if he gets another heavy, heavy workload, which I think is probably going to happen because it makes sense to utilize him that way. He's their lead running back. The offensive line's good. Uh, defenses mm. will eventually have to respect the pass against the Giants with all that they've added in the receiving core this offseason. Remember mm. that point. But yeah, Saquon Barkley is going to get a lot of work. Could he break down again, potentially, or not even break down, but just not be as efficient? Because he wasn't as efficient in his second year as he was in his first year. And that was because he was coming off a year with over 350 touches. That's exactly the case that he's going to be in this year. So I think he takes a little bit step back statistically this year, but not enough to make you worried. What worries me just as much, if not more, is all the capital that the Giants spent to improve their receiving core. They've got, uh, who was their big get? Was Wall Waller. Waller. Waller was their big get, and yes, he is going to make an impact in the red zone, just like he did in Las Vegas. Here are some other names. Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder. Individually, they don't mean much for fantasy. Collectively, those are three new guys joining a receiving core that dealt with a lot of injured players who are coming back, like Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson will eventually make his way back. Now they've got a deep group. There has to be a reason why the Giants went so crazy to add pass catchers. It could be as simple as all right, we didn't really like all the guys that we had last year. We only had one good perimeter receiver in Hodgins. Uh, we didn't really get that slot receiver that we wanted. Darius Slayton is just okay. Um, we, we just need more competition there and more explosiveness there. That's fine, but they're going to utilize that. And so maybe my concern about getting a ton of touches for Saquon is being overstated because they might throw the ball a little bit more with all these fun receivers that they've added to their group. That does mean fewer touches, theoretically, and it might not be much. It could be two per game for Saquon Barkley. I think he's going to be good for about what he was in his second season. Maybe maybe nine touchdowns, ten touchdowns. He could get there. I don't want to short him there. But I do think that the chance of him being, like you said, Dan, RB1 or RB2, Yeah, I don't know if I see it. It's one of the reasons why I kind of like Bijan Robinson better. Couple things about that 2019 season. 2018, Barkley was the best running back in fantasy as a rookie. 2019, he hurt his ankle and he missed some time. High ankle sprain. Yeah, high ankle sprain. There it is which, right. And when he came back, he hurt his ankle again, and it was a different injury. Uh, so I don't know how much stock I put into that season because he was playing hurt for almost all of it. Towards ACL the next year, 2021 was just an awful season coming back from the torn ACL. Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator, they were 31st in scoring. Last year was a lot better, but if I'm making a bus case for Barkley, it's simple. He has not been an elite running back since his rookie season. Uh, he was, I would say, for the first five or six games of the last season, and then it just started. Then he just started to be kind of a volume guy. But when you watched him play, you still saw the explosiveness. I mean, in that playoff game, some of the plays he made against the Vikings were just incredible. So I still think he's an elite running back, even if the numbers don't bear it out. But yeah, the, it, okay, they became a passing team second half of the year. He was getting about 15 carries per game. He was saved by his touchdowns and by his receptions totals. If they go back to being a passing game, and Dan's talked about this, they were going three receiver sets a lot more. They were also losing a lot more. 
All right, they they were they struggled in the second half of the year after their schedule got harder, and it's going to get harder this year, right? If they go back to being a passing team and Darren Waller really cuts, and he's really the only one I'm very worried about, maybe Wandale Robinson, the other guys are like, whatever. But if they really cut in his target share, there's your bust case for Barkley. Fewer carries and fewer targets, and he's still like a 4.4 yards per carry guy instead of a 5 yards per carry guy like he was as a rookie. That's the bust case for Saquon Barkley. But I do think he's the best player on their team offensively, and I agree with it basically, Dan. I just I think there's a case, and I think we all agree with Dan. That's why he's a first-round pick. But I think there's a case, but he's he's the focal point of their team. Volume is so key in fantasy football, especially these days at running back. There's just so few guys. And when I say volume, I don't just mean the carries. I mean that passing game involvement. There's so few guys with both. All right. uh, Let's uh, take a break here. Before we take a break, we had a question for Dan, and it Uh was in the chat. And it was, (laughs) Dan, how much do you bench? (laughs) Chad Powers. Nice question. That's funny. Uh, So, you know, look. I don't bench a lot of weight anymore. I used to when I was in college, but the problem is I have a really bad shoulder injury, right? Shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. I think it's rotator yeah. cuff related. Mm-hmm. No matter how much I stretch it pre-workout, it still ends up kind of ma- uh, messing with me. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing my weight at this point, which is 185, and I just kind of rep it out for as much as I can. Yeah, that's I why really I don't lift off. either, Dan. I have a shoulder injury, right? That's why that's what's hurting my bench press totals. <laughs> While sure, we're talking dude. about it, Adam, I before the show, I posed this question to Dave. Has Adam ever stepped foot in a weight room one? And if the answer is yes, has he ever done? Because we know he's probably like got on the bench press and been like, I'm going to bench. But has he ever done like one of two things, either deadlift or squat? That's the question. Is at, I cannot see in any way, shape or form Adam ever deadlifting. Squat, no. I'm not so sure about. No, uh, I think in high school, maybe like That's part of a fitness saying. test or something. But I'm going <laughs> to say no. And I haven't been I haven't lifted weights in 10 years. So with that, we'll take a break. <laughs> and that's if I'm in my 90s, I'll be able to say I haven't lifted weights in, in <laughs> 70 years. So I'm never going to lift weights again, basically. That'll uh, be your secret to longevity. You may be. We'll be back. Good for you, Adam. Travis Kelsey, is he really bus proof? We'll talk about it after the break. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply all right, guys, let's uh, do five-minute limit on these players. Okay. Uh, Travis Kelsey, Dan, he is, for many people, a top-five pick. You have him as bust-proof. Obviously, I-, I think it's easy to say this, right? The only thing that's going to hold him back is age. But I am interested why you think he's bust-proof. Yeah, I mean, I've been making the case for Travis Kelsey on this show for two straight years. Last year, I said he should have been an early round first pick. Uh, first half of the round, uh, first half of first round pick, he was back end. I got him every draft. Two years ago, I was getting him in round two. 
the advantage Travis Kelsey gives you over every other tight end is so unbelievable that last season, and these are the numbers on it, he doubled the eighth best tight end in, in points per game. There were only seven players who scored double who scored um, double digits. He scored 18.6 fantasy points per game in PPR. Uh, and again, the eighth best scored 9.53. He's now finished as the tight end one five of the last seven seasons. In those other two seasons, he finishes the tight end two overall. The offense we've seen go through many different variations there in Kansas City. They've had wide receiver ones. They've had no wide receiver ones. It does not matter. Travis Kelsey is still going to score fantasy points, still going to be a focal point in the red zone, still going to be the guy who just chews up yards in the intermediate range, still has probably the best rapport, in my opinion, of any skill position player in the NFL with his quarterback right now. I don't know if a case can be made that anyone has a better rapport than Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes have right now. You've obviously seen some of the videos where there just seems like they're on the exact same mental page. I'm a big rapport believer. I've made the case before. I make it again. So I got a guy here with the best rapport of the quarterback in the NFL, a clear-cut red zone role, beats zone better than any tight end I've ever seen in the history of the NFL, and what do teams play against the Chiefs? Because that's all they can do. Zone can't play man against Patrick Mahomes. I don't really see any possible way that he's not, once again, one of the biggest advantages in fantasy football, like he's been completely underdrafted in the past two seasons. Finally, we're starting to see him go like third, fourth, fifth, sixth overall, like he should have gone for the past two years, in my opinion. And once again, I don't really see any way this thing falls apart, except for, of course, age-based injury. But we've seen Travis Kelsey actually build out a very, if you believe in this stuff, strong injury profile over his NFL career. He came into the NFL with a big injury concern and profile. It's partially why he was drafted uh, not in the first round. But, and, and also production wasn't great in that Cincinnati offense in college. But since then, he really hasn't had too many injuries that have, that have kind of slowed him down. He's played in a lot of games. I don't have these numbers in front of me at the moment, but... I don't really know if just because he's one year older, we can say the injury jumps so big because we said that last year and we said that two years ago. Flimsy case against this. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to point out four wide receivers who I think have a very, okay. very good rapport with their quarterbacks. I think Cup with Stafford is up yep. there. Uh, Burrow with Jamar Chase. I mean, they played together in college. It goes without saying. I think Josh Allen's got it with Stephon Diggs. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown has it with Jared Goff. Remember that point for about four minutes from now. <laughs> Kelsey, the last five seasons, he does have a year where he averaged over 20 PPR points per game. It was not last year. Last year was 18.6. The other three years, 15.8, 15.4. Uh, 17.9, that's pretty good. That was his in 2018. So 2019, 2021, under 16 PPR points per game. My question would be, if your quarterback that you take in, or I'm sorry, tight end that you take in the first round only gives you 15 and a half, 15 and three quarters PPR points per game, is that a win or a loss? I mean, I'd, I'd argue that's a win because the tight end position is so thin that you're still getting, you know, what, what would it be like? 40% more fantasy points than your average top 12 tight end from that guy that you're taking in round one. It might sting you a little bit if you take Travis Kelsey and he gives you 15.7 PPR points per game uh, compared to guys that go after him at other positions that are going to be 17, 18 PPR points per game. But you've got that advantage with tight end. The only other thing that I could say, and again, like I said, flimsy case against Travis Kelsey is the opposite of what I said earlier for the case against Patrick Mahomes being the most bust proof quarterback in the game. What if Kadarius Tony ends up being amazing? What if Sky Moore takes that second jump 
in his second season and is a better wide receiver. Justin Ross manages to stay healthy, becomes a downfield threat for Kansas City. And there's enough there at wide receiver where it's just it's just this huge, huge group that actually takes work away from Travis Kelsey and puts them below 15 PPR points per game. That would be disappointing mm-hmm. to see, but you can't make the case for that. You can't expect that. Can't even hope for that. That sounds silly to say, which is why Travis Kelsey goes where he goes in fantasy drafts. Yep. Yeah, the bus case for me for Kelsey is just that he's not going to outscore the wide receivers and probably the running backs that are being taken in the top five. So you have to ask yourself that question. How much value is that positional advantage? Like Devontae Adams scored, I think, 20-ish more points than than Travis Kelsey. Justin Jefferson scored probably 40 to 50 more points. Yeah, but like quarterbacks score more than all those. Right, but you can get you can get a quarterback that outscores Travis Kelsey in round eight. You know, you can only get those wide receivers maybe with those first several. But you can only get that one tight end who scores that much. I understand. I I, I have Kelsey. I have Kelsey, you know, certainly as a top five pick. I had him at number one right now, probably around three. I I don't know where he's going to fall between two and five for me, but you know, I you are you, losing fantasy points when you take you are, him. You're losing raw fantasy points, but you I think are. until you roster Kelsey, and, I, and for those of you who have, and I know you guys both have on some teams, you then you finally see on the week-to-week basis, like, what a difference it makes when your opponent's oh. streaming some random tight end who scores 2.3 that week and has one catch, and you're just firing out 15, 16, 18, 20, yeah. and gaining that 17-point advantage on a weekly basis. Okay, let's go to Monra St. Brown, our last guy we'll talk about today. Bust-proof, says Dave. Now, he was... The number 11 wide receiver per game in half and full PPR. Number 12 in non-PPR. Azer stat, though, if you take Whoa. out two games in which Amonra St. Brown barely played weeks five and seven, he was kind of a decoy in week seven, got hurt in week five. And he would have been around wide receiver six to eight, depending on the format, and he would have been better than C.D. Lamb on a per-game basis. And Dave, you say Amonra St. Brown is bust-proof. Even when Jamison Williams comes back, even with the addition of Sam Laporta, even Marvin Jones coming back and Jameer Gibbs being in Detroit, I think he's on lock as the top target getter in the Lions offense. And as interesting as the run game is going to be with Gibbs and David Montgomery, I don't think the Lions identity is going to stick with being just run first, run focused. I think that they actually love Jared Goff and they want to have him throw the football. And just the whole narrative on Jared Goff has changed. And I think St. Brown's part of the reason why. They've been on the same page really for two years now. And it's it's been the second half in the last third of his seasons where he's really been at his best. Adam, you mentioned that he was basically a decoy or a non-factor in weeks five and week seven last year. How about his last nine games with Detroit last year? 18.2 PPR points per game. That's on the same level as, I'm looking to see, there actually wasn't anybody close to that specific level. He would have been wide receiver seven on that uh, on that pace of 18.2 PPR points per game, you are almost certainly drafting St. Brown after the seventh wide receiver in your drafts. And then in 2021, he was a rookie. No one knew who he was yet. There he was starting with the Lions offense in their first preseason game. And he was ditching guys in coverage. Then I was there. I watched it. It was pretty incredible. I just didn't think that there would be enough there for him. And it really didn't show up till the last six games of the season when he averaged 24.6 PPR points per game. 
no chance he's getting there. There are just too many mouths to feed in that offense. But that 18 PBR point range, I think he's there. And even with everybody else playing a role in Detroit, I just think St. Brown's the guy who's going to remain open the most in that short area field. And that's where Goff tends to gravitate toward. He knows he's going to have option routes on lock with St. Brown. They can change plays at the line of scrimmage based on the defense that Goff is seeing. Goff is certainly smart enough to see that. And I think St. Brown's just going to continue to be his guy. You can draft him in round three and have a bust-proof wide receiver on your fantasy squad. Yeah, this is a tough case to make against because St. Brown, as Dave knows, we've discussed in the past, I'm very high on St. Brown. I'm on team rapport, and like Dave mentioned, I think he made a good point. He's top five in quarterback receiver rapport right now with Goff to St. Brown. I also love... I'm on team layup throws. If you can find an off, if you can find somebody in your offense who can give you those layup throws, as I call them, which are just the ball snapped and within two seconds, a guy's open and you can get the football to him and you can move the chains. You're going to take those a lot as a quarterback because you need those. You can't just take everything downfield. All of that, I think, remains the same for Goff and St. Brown this year. I guess the only bus case I could make to kind of devil's advocate this would be potential for an evolution in Ben Johnson's offense there and maybe in, to some degree in Jared Goff's game. Now, this is tougher case to make with Jameson Williams not playing the first six games. If Jameson Williams was playing or once he gets back in the mix, maybe you can think about for the fantasy playoffs, things start to trail off a little bit for St. Brown. If Jameson Williams can be the player that I think he can be from a talent standpoint, we see start to see more vertical uh, oriented throws. We start to see more of those deep crossers, which I know Jameson Williams is going to run either to open up other parts of the offense or to get the football. If he's getting open on those throws and they're going to be more high Give, they're going to give the Lions, if they make those attempts, a better chance at explosive plays, which maybe they didn't feel like they get enough of last year. I don't know. Yeah. The other bus case would be Jameer Gibbs. Look, they wanted to get a running back involved in the passing game with DeAndre Swift. It didn't work out because they didn't want Swift on the field and he couldn't stay on the field and he wasn't running the ball the way they wanted him to when they gave him the football. If they believe that Jameer Gibbs can process the run game enough to the point where they can keep him on the field for the pass game, do they start to run that offense a little bit more through the running back in the passing game than they have? So the only way this changes is if the offense evolves to a different degree. But even if that's the case, we still of a quarterback who has a history of targeting these easy slot receivers. He did it with Cooper Cup. Now he's found his Cooper Cup in Amon Ross St. Brown. So it's just a hard case to make. I but you know that would be the one case that they open up the offense and kind of change how it run you know where the volume goes. Amon Ross St. Brown also had three catches, I believe, in which he was down inside the two yard line. Oh yeah. So he could have had a better touchdown number. Only six touchdowns on 146 targets for St. Brown. Um, but I would I would say that if there's a bus case, it's that he's the only wide receiver in the last three seasons to finish top eight with an A dot lower than eight point five yards. True. His was six point five yards. So he, what was Cooper Cup's the two seasons ago when he was? It must have been high. I guess yeah. yeah never mind. No, no, no not two point, seasons. Cooper Cup was eight point six in twenty twenty one. That's okay. one of the lowest A dots, and he was wide receiver one. That's right. one of the lowest A dots of of the top eight receivers any of the last three years. But St. Brown was two yards lower than that. Yeah. So he doesn't make plays. He's not a big play guy. Um, he had one of the lowest explosive play rates among wide receivers with 50 or more targets. He was in the 70s. There were about 84 wide qualifying wide receivers there. He was in the 70s in explosive play rate. Um, so he's just really relying on catches. He's not great so far on a per-target basis. He's not great per catch. Um, he's not great after the catch. He's fine. So that's the argument is that, you know, it, it's it's like a it's like a shorter area version of Keenan Allen. And do you want to take that 
with a top 20 pick, top 30 pick. I don't know. I mean, that that's the bust case. And I guess if the targets went down because of Gibbs, because of Williams, all that stuff, then you're not looking at a guy who's making a ton of plays. So there it is. But I think, you know, I, half PPR to me, he's the third round pick. I don't know about you guys. Full PPR is the second round pick. But what about you? Th- th- uh, maybe, maybe like two, three turn in half PPR, Dave. I'm with you on that, but in full PPR, I am as a top 20 player. Yeah, okay. I'm with, I'm with Dave on that. I feel very similar to the confidence I felt in drafting T. Higgins last year, um, just from the floor standpoint with, with Amon Ross St. Brown this year. That was also a 2-3 turn pick, if I remember, Higgins. And, and I think yeah. he's got a higher floor than Higgins. He does. In PPR. In PPR, general. yeah. Okay, these are some Apple podcast questions to end the show. And the first one said, Adam, can you ask Dan to answer this? <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. So I don't have to even bother listening. No, you don't. Uh, cool. can, no pressing needs on a contending team. PPR, uh, rank the following four players. Whichever I get, I will have for the first five years of their NFL careers. Ooh. You have to do some college scouting here. That's my uh, favorite thing to do. Ameka Abuka from Ohio State. Oh, oh college scouting from la- okay, from next year's class. <laughs> Raheem okay. Sanders, Zay Flowers, and Nick Singleton. Hey, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I don't really look into the next year's class until about February of the next year. There's too much other stuff going on. So I don't really think I can give a good, good opinion on this because, you know, my process is very thorough once we get to the actual draft. and I'm going to watch film on all of these players. But yeah. if I haven't watched the film yet, which I haven't on anyone really but Zay Flowers there, I just don't feel comfortable answering this. I'm sorry. Bad answer, but no, at the same time, a good answer. I will, The only thing I'll say is I looked at some, even before I saw this question, I looked at some early mock drafts, and Ohio State in a lot of early mock drafts has two top 10 yep. players, and they're yeah. both receivers, that, that, and Emeka Buka is the second one. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best receiver to come out in, I don't even know how Jamar long. Jamar Chase? He's a better he, prospect than Jamar Chase, oh, okay. without a doubt to me. And Jamar Chase is an amazing prospect. He's like a better version of that. All right, so Abuka, I would say right now, is a better prospect than, say, Flowers, but things could certainly change in a year. Yeah, I would think I would think that, you know, once I go through my film evaluations, this is a raw take, but I would think Flowers would be lowest on my list of those guys once I go through. But I have to watch those guys on tape to really know. All right, this is from Tyler Sharba from the City of Champions. In New York City. He writes, must P- be Miami this year. PGH, he writes. West Orange, New Jersey. Pittsburgh. Oh, Makes Pittsburgh. Sense. Pittsburgh. That's like an abbreviation for PG. For did they win championships there? there? I guess they do, actually. They did. Penguins, Steelers. Not the Pirates. Those are champion teams. It's Pirates more like win every did. year. <laughs> they did. It's not that they do. Okay. Here's the question from Tyler. We all agree Garrett Wilson's going to have a breakout season. Would it be ridiculous to take him at the back end of the first round in a redraft league? <sighs> I don't yeah, think it feels a little ridiculous. I don't like yeah, love the talent. I, re- I was even thinking about it on my drive to work today. Just this is this is what I think about when I'm driving. I should be focused on the road. <laughs> I'm thinking about in breaking routes with Garrett Wilson <laughs> and being on the same page with Aaron Rodgers and just taking you know twelve yard uh, corner routes of the house stuff like that or post routes. I guess um, no, I, I'd still rather have Tyreek Hill, Diggs, Lamb. For yeah. now, Devontae Adams, definitely A.J. Brown, and even a Monroe St. Brown in full PPR. I'd rather have than Garrett Wilson. I'm a little more concerned with this definite Garrett Wilson breakout than others. I still have made the case in the past that I just think there could take it could take some time with Rodgers and Wilson when the actual games come to fruition to get on the same page. From yeah, Noah, 
Grade the trade from Noah. 12th overall pick in a redraft league where we can trade picks. So this is redraft. I give up my fourth round pick, which is the which is the first pick in the fourth round. Okay. For a sixth, seventh, and eighth round pick. And then what he just gives his last few picks? I don't even understand how this works. Yeah. Does he get to keep those extra late round picks? I assume not. he's gonna have to cut some guys. There's roster limits that you've got to follow. And that's a weird, yeah. So then I guess fantasy. let's just say he loses like round 16, 15, 14 for the six. Right, right. Something like that. All right, so I would not do that trade. 37th overall pick for a 6th, 7th, and 8th round pick. There will come a, a moment during the training camp time of our podcasting where we'll say, all right, this is the spot in a draft where you're just going to hate what's left on the board. I don't think it's going to be at 37th overall. It might be really close to it. I'm thinking it's going to be right around 42nd overall. You're going to get to a point in your draft when you're there and you go, Oh, I really don't like anybody that's left. I don't feel good about taking Amari Cooper or Kyle Pitts or, you know, the names that you'll look at and say, well, they have potential, but they could also absolutely stink. I think that fourth round pick, first pick in round four is still a really good pick. All right. This Great. is from the Adam Azer Hair Club. Great trade. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a small club. Uh, this is for... For the rookie. Did you get a haircut recently, Adam? I feel I like did. when you get a haircut, it somehow looks like that. <laughs> that is an extremely insulting comment. <laughs> but that was terrific. Well done on your part. And that is the meanest and funniest thing you've ever said to me. All right, great. This Anthony Richardson trade. Uh, it's rookie only draft day trade, 12 team super flex dynasty. I traded my 2024 first round pick. 2025 first round pick and Noah Fant. Oh, I, not Noah Fant. I received the fifth pick of 2023 and took Anthony Richardson. What are you doing? Whoa, what the heck was that trade? So he traded two first round picks oh and Noah Fant God. for Anthony Richardson. Well, I'll say this. You better be having you, you better have been in the finals or semis last year. I'll start by saying that. Because those first round picks better and your team better look good for the next two years. Cause those first round picks, if they're any, they gotta be like second to last or last pick of the round to for you to get back any kind of value on this at all. Even then, I don't love it. Two late round pick first round picks for Anthony Richardson, I don't love, but it's the only way this can possibly be a win. If your team starts to fall off at all you're in trouble because you may be giving up top three picks for a player like Anthony Richardson. And even next year, for example, if your team bottoms out, there are two quarterbacks in the next year's class that I would take immediately over Anthony Richardson. And I'd probably trade a first round pick away as well to get those quarterbacks over Anthony Richardson. We don't like the trade. Don't no. like the trade. Sorry. All right. Now listen, a, a year can go by and, uh, you know, Adam Azer hair club guy wins his dynasty mm -hmm. league. Then we'll say, and Richardson might be the reason why he wins the Dynasty League. And then we say, okay, great trade. It's going to come down to Richardson. If Richardson's, Richardson's great, you'll be thrilled to make quarterback too, right, Dave? So it's like, it's kind of a weird trade. You're trading for a developmental guy while giving away mm, your picks okay. that help you develop. All right, pause on the developmental talk. Yeah. He does need to improve. He is a bit of a, he's not even a project. He just needs to like, uh, his technique needs improvement, and he's getting there. And the reports so far have been good. We'll see what he looks like when he's actually in the thick of battle in September. But if, if he gets the hang of the NFL level, then 
this is going to be a great trade. If but he's anything short of that, right. then this is going to end up being a bad trade. All right, think, but Dave, but I, I don't want to use the developmental term. And sorry, Adam, one more thing on this. All right, but all let's right, say ahead. he takes the 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 you know the top range of outcomes here as far as these types of quarterbacks, right? Who who have to work on what he has to work on. That's Josh Allen. That's the top range of the outcome. Even in that scenario, which I don't think he's going to take. That's a tough. That's a top not range of outcome. Year. That still means first year is not a good first year. So it's like. We're hoping year two, and then at that point, you're giving up a draft pick like for that year and the next year. It's tough. Right. Hopefully, this manager has a competitive team for the next two years, and at some point in those next two years, A. Rich goes off. Yeah. Yeah. So one comment said, man got fleeced, and I'm not <laughs> sure if he's talking about that trade or my haircut. And with that... <laughs> We are out of here, folks. Thank you very much. I got Beyond the Box score. You can watch it. It's already been recorded and published on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Fantasy Football Today. Or I will publish the audio on Friday. And we will talk to you on Monday with a fresh hey, episode m- of Fantasy Football Today. Might we be doing some emergency podcasts in the next 72 Ooh. hours? About Hopkins, you think? It, about Hopkins? Dalvin Nixon? About Dalvin? Oh, it's, it's June 1st. June That's 1st, right. baby. That's right. Dalvin, it's- baby. Everybody's getting cut, like my hair. It's June 1st. All right, we'll see you Hopefully later. Hopefully they still play better than your hair. <laughs> Bye, everyone. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.